Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, as we come to just share your precious word this morning. We thank you for it, Lord. And Father, we just invite you to come by your spirit and we just step aside and allow you to be the teacher today. And we ask you, Father, for everyone watching, they will get revelation of your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, we're talking about the good fight of faith. And I believe God wants us to deal with that today and talk about it because in this season, we need faith. Um, in 2 Timothy 4.17, where the scripture comes from, we have the apostle Paul. And he's looking back over his ministry, which was a wonderful ministry. And he says, I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, we'd all love to be able to say that, and I believe we will. And he was looking back with satisfaction, not with pride, but he was looking back over his years of ministry and realized and saw that he had satisfied all that God, he had done all that God had called him to do. And the reason why he called it a good fight, and if any man had a battle, it was Paul. He had a lot of stuff coming against him. You know, the reason why he called it the good fight, the good fight of faith is good because we always win. God never lost a battle yet. So he calls it a good fight because he won. He succeeded in diverting and getting rid of every attack that the enemy brought against him. We know he was shipwrecked. He spent a day and night in the sea. He was stoned, he was beaten, and he was constantly persecuted but he came out victorious over it all. So for him, it was a good fight. And because he trusted in God, that was his key, he trusted in God. And you know, I do believe at the moment in Ireland, we are in a fight, we're in a form of a war. It's not a war of bombs and bullets, but it's a war of weariness and heaviness and uncertainty and confusion in a lot, you know, in a lot of ways. But you know, it's so important for us Christians to stay really strong in faith. It's so, so important for us. Not just for ourselves and our family, but all the people that are around about us that we have some degree of influence over, you know, friends and neighbors. And you know, you may be feeling, and I know I felt this at the beginning when all this started, and it's hard to believe it's a year ago. You know, God, I don't like this era. Why did you choose this one? I don't like it. I didn't say it. I thought it, you know. And, you know, you hear the words, of course, you're here for such a time as this. Like, you know, the famous Esther words, Esther 4.14. She was there for that particular era, and so are we. You know, we all have a call. Everybody saved and unsaved, every person on this planet has a mapped out call and destiny that God has mapped out for them. It tells us that in Psalm 139. Sadly, some people don't do any of it, but when we're born again, we need to slot into that call. And God has obviously chosen all of us here and all of us watching and all of us on the planet to be here for such a time of this. Our time is now. And you know, he says, wherever we see things about trials and tests in the Bible, God always says, rejoice. You know, the last thing you want to do, but he says, rejoice. And you know, the Bible tells us, if we have a look at 
Isaiah 60 verse 1, it's actually exciting. We've been chosen, we are privileged to be here right now. And we'll just read Isaiah 60 verse 1 and a few lines beyond. You know, we all know that scripture and we've read it glibly over the years, but it suddenly has got that element of being hot off the press because we're in it now. It's kind of goosebumpy. Arise and shine, for your light has come. That's what God is saying to us today. Your light has come. This is your time. And the glory of the Lord is seen upon you. Now, we're all waiting. We're all believing for this great awakening. And it's breaking out in America. It's breaking out in other countries. It's not a distant thing. But it's saying it's on you, in all of us. It's going to be a corporate thing. We have the Christ in us. But that glory is going to shine out of us. And when we get together, then there's an explosion of glory. It's on us. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. Well, we can see that. It was here before the pandemic. A lot of antichrist activity, a lot of antichrist laws and culture coming in. And deep darkness, the people. But the Lord will arise over you. It's exciting. It's our day. You know, this is the church's finest hour. We're rising up. This is our moment. Let's not miss it, okay? And the, his glory will be seen upon you. I think it's very important, though, talking about this, to realize that this pandemic, this COVID-19, I hate that word, <laughs> this thing has, is not from God. He made it very clear prophetically at the very beginning of this. This is not from God. It is absolutely the devil who has tried to step in to, on to the stage of humankind because he fears this, and not this glory, the awakening that's coming, and he is trying to shut it down. Why has he masked us? Why is he put us in solitary confinement? But you know, God turns all things to the good. He can never do anything to stop the plan of God. So, you know, he wasted his time. But one thing that is so exciting for us here in Ireland, and even in this church and even in this city, is what Alina made reference to, Christian Voice Ireland. That would never have happened if there hadn't been a pandemic. So, devil, you, you missed it. You lost it. So, and you know that at the moment, there are between 90 and 100 pastors and leaders from all over Ireland, north and south, which is very significant. That pleases the heart of God, who have joined this. And you know, I'm on the... On the group and every day there are new people joining and it just reminded me when I was preparing this you know in the book of Acts Acts 2 it said God added daily to the church it's happening here you know because they were of one heart and one mind and there's one I believe everybody would agree with me who's on this thing and go to the zoom meetings not only have we got a voice in this nation God needed a voice in this nation and he's got one he's got Christian voice Ireland it's, it's a voice in this nation so it's exciting but what is more even more excited it's such a united voice when you go on to these meetings where you see these pastors and some with slightly doctrinal differences but no we all believe in Jesus but there are little fiddly bits that mightn't be quite the same there is no problem it is a united voice there's no competitiveness there's not there's no strive it is so beautifully organically created by the Holy Spirit you know it, it just suddenly you know Pastor John had that idea and then it all started to happen and now we have numbers like this and you know we see all the things that are going on 
the internet just now. That's not man, that is God. It is from the Holy Spirit. You know, it reminds me of that thing. I remember somebody once said, God so loved the world that he did not send a committee. Well, that's true. You know, we have committees with agendas and minutes and plans, but God's plan goes so smoothly and so wonderfully. So it's happening. And you know, where there is that united voice, where there is that unity, which is so palpable and visible in this group, Psalms 133, which we know so well. All her old favorite scriptures are becoming so real to us. It says, where there is unity, God commands the blessing. And commands isn't God saying, oh, bless them, bless you fellows, bless you girls. He's commanding. Who's he commanding? He's commanding the spirit of God to go and back it up. He's, he's commanding the hosts of heaven. He is the Lord Sabaoth. He's the Lord of heaven's armies, of which there are millions and billions. People who have seen those angel armies said they are scary and dangerous. They're big with weapons. And you know, they're on the, they're on the rampage against the forces of evil. But we have all the angelic hosts coming behind this. That's what the blessing involves. It's not a, a, a lame little, you know, phrase that says, go for it, you're doing great. You know, I, I really think this is so exciting and it is such a great example of Romans 8:28. It's another scripture that's becoming so real. God working all things together for good for those who love God. We are lovers of God. We are close to God at the moment. I feel I've never been so close to God in this hour. To those who are called according to his purpose. All of us are called to his purpose. And there's a specific purpose in this era, in this season. And it is to reveal Christ to the fallen, the, the, the broken and the hurting. And, and you know, it is happening. It's, it's a privilege to be chosen. You know, this business of unity in the church, we fight a common enemy. We don't fight each other. You know, and I came to Ireland in the charismatic days and out of it emerged small churches. But there was a principality of bigotry and division still working in this nation. There was a lot of suspicion and there wasn't a unity. But that is gone. That is completely gone. We have a united voice in Ireland for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's exciting. Um, if we then look at the scripture that we started with, 1 Timothy, sorry, 2 Timothy 4.17, he said, I have finished the race. He was in a fight and he was in a race and definitely a marathon. And, you know, people, we must keep running strong. We mustn't back down. We must keep running because people are watching. Have you had people, I mean, I won't say at work because it's not happening so much, but your neighbors, your friends who are not Christian, how, how are you getting on? How, how are you handling this? How do you fill in your day? How are you feeling? And it's so important that we respond with something from the gospel. I have friend, you know, some Christian friends who are not in churches who would be excited about getting back. It would be, and they say, oh, how, are you, how are you doing? I say, oh, it's great. You know, our Bible school's gone on Zoom and the numbers have gone doubled and we're reaching so many more people and the kind of, Oh, you know, it's, it's, it's a witness to what God is doing. Even, you know, your neighbors, you know, always, you know, it's good to be upbeat because they see something different. You know, it really is a testimony to that word in 1 Peter 1.5. 1, we are kept by the power of God. God is keeping us. God is looking after us at the moment. And the other thing that's so good, it's so good, not, not only that aspect, 
But, you know, when we go through things, when we go through trials and we go through tests, we get pruned and we get sifted and we get tested and we come out stronger. We come out definitely stronger. You know, the book of James, or the letter of James, if we could look at that, James 1, we emerge more mature. It says in the New Living, consider it, when you, it says, consider it an opportunity for great joy, for you know when your faith is tested, and it is at the moment, your faith is tested, your endurance, meaning your toughness, has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, meaning mature, complete. That means sound in body. It's amazing. And lacking nothing. We come out of this an awful lot better than we went in if we go through it with God. What do we do? Stay in the word of God. Believe the word of God. Do what God says. Spend time with him and he will sustain us and he will take us through and we can help other people. You know, if you think about King David, before he was King David when he was a boy, young, a young lad, if you like, how did he kill a giant with such ease and confidence? Well, he had a, co a covenant with God and he knew it. He spent a lot of time with God, but it was because he'd already killed a lion and a bear. Now, to be honest, the lion and the bear, he said, I killed it with my hands. He tore it, you know, he tore it apart and he said, I smote it. It was supernatural. A young boy with a, a, a shepherd's staff or a shepherd's rod couldn't really kill a lion or a bear. It was supernatural. He knew that the power that was working for him to do that was God. So when he faced the giant, he knew exactly that God would do exactly the same thing. And I heard somebody saying recently, you know, it was totally supernatural because Goliath had a helmet on. He was fully armed. The, the forehead is covered. That was a supernatural pew that God did and killed that man. So David knew the power of God. So God has been training giant killers in this time. You know, the devil thought he'd shut us up. But, you know, those of us who have kept going, we are coming out of this like greyhounds out of their trap. We are going to do some damage to the kingdom of, of, the kingdom of darkness. We've been under faith training to take Ireland for Christ. You know, in 1 John 5, 4, I just want to sort of focus for a minute the importance of being in faith. And there's one place to get it out of here. This is full of faith. When you read it, it comes into you. That's as simple as we can get. Faith training. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Faith will overcome anything. Whatever you're going through, get into faith, get a word in that thing, and you will overcome it. God promises it, and God is not a man that you should lie. You know, the power of God is just like electricity, but it needs a connection. We need to connect with him. We need to connect with God. You know, electricity is everywhere, like the power of God is everywhere. You know, in the caveman days, and they were scraping their, rubbing their flint together to get a spark, they could have had this if they liked, but they didn't know how to do it. We do. We know how to access the power of God. We connect to him by faith. He has wired us up with the Holy Spirit. We have the Christ in us, but we need to plug in to God. It's so important. I'm just speaking to anybody who's not saved today. You need to get saved. You need to connect with God and see his protection, see his guidance, and see his power. It's so important. It's the only life. The other life has, got no, it just has no purpose. 
So we connect to him by faith so he can flow through us. His power is always, always available. You know, um, if you look at um, Hebrews 4.16, so we need to know, we need to realize that God is asking us to develop our faith, but not just ordinary faith. He wants us to develop bold faith. So look at, if you look at uh, Hebrews 4.16, radical faith. Not the kind of, I wonder if, I wonder if, I remember somebody once saying she needed healing and she said, well, Jesus knows my address. And I felt like saying, yeah, and he's not coming there either. It says in the Bible, all who came to him. We are to take the initiative. We have to take an aggressive stance. So he said, come boldly. In Hebrews 4.16, we have um, this picture of Jesus as our intercessor. You know, when Jesus died on the cross and went back to heaven and had done all the redemptive work, he didn't sit down to do nothing. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you. 24 hours a day. And we say, oh, I need someone to pray for me. You have, you've got Jesus, that's quite good. So he's saying, because we have this high priest, we have Jesus, our intercessor, and getting our word to the Father and getting our request, it says, let us come boldly. God is looking for bold faith. He's looking for strong faith. To the throne of grace that we may, sorry, we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. You know that word obtain, obtain means take. We have to take it. We don't expect it to just float on us. We have to be takers as Christians. Obtain what Jesus has done. In John 1, 5, 14, uh, this is a wonderfully faith-building scripture. Just as you read it, just take this on board for yourself. Now, this is the confidence. That means boldness. It's the same word that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, that anything according to his word, whatever need you may have at the moment, whatever it is, if it's financial, emotional, relational, maybe you're looking for a husband, maybe you want a child, maybe you need money, whatever it is, it says whatever. Jesus is a whatever answer, okay? So whatever you ask according to his will, if it's in here, he hears us. You get it. It gets to his ear. He hears us. And we know that if he hears us, whatever we ask, we will have the petition we ask for. That is an amazing promise. God tells us, if this is telling us in his word, if we go before his throne, if we are just standing before him, Jesus Christ is our intercessor, gets our request to the Father, and we can have it if we believe it, if we come boldly and take it, okay? So it's the boldness that's important, and according to his will is important. You don't ask for something outside of his will. Now, one of the major keys to strong faith is knowing that whatever you ask for is already available. That makes it a lot easier. Everything, Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary provided every single thing that we need. Spirit, soul, and body. Absolutely everything. So you're not begging him. You're not expecting him to create it for you. It's waiting for us to do the right thing. Get into faith and take it. Okay, taking is really very, very important. It's a bit like, you know, if a child asks his father for a bike and his father says, okay, I'll order one for you, son. And he said, yeah, it's in the depot. We'll get it in 10 days. 
What is the boy? Yeah, I've got a bike. I've got it. I've got it. He doesn't go asking day after day. He's got it. He hasn't got it in his garden. He hasn't got it in his shed. But he's got it because he believed his dad. It's there. So it's that sort of thing. We need to know that everything has been provided. Now, there's a couple of scriptures that tell us that. And I want you to take it on board as I read them. Say, this is for me. This is truth. And I'm going to take it into my heart. If you're believing for something for a long time and you haven't seen it it's not God's fault I won't say anymore Ephesians 1 3 blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us every blessing that Jesus has provided if you go through the New Testament and the epistles they're in the past tense they're not going to be done has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places every spiritual blessing now that is not waiting for us to go to heaven we don't need healing in heaven there's no sickness we don't need deliverance in heaven there's no devil thank god there's no depression there's no covid glory to god heaven is amazing if this is not for then it's for now why would he have died i mean we have a, a hellish life here and then be okay that's not what he died for every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places i see that myself as a big warehouse where everything you need is waiting packaged for you to get it to access it to take it okay it's a past tense the other one which is glorious listen to this one 2 peter 1 verse 3 his divine power the power that jesus exerted on the cross of calvary redeemed us from every curse and then provided this his divine power available because of calvary has given to us all things i mean all what's more than all all things that pertain to life and godliness what's that saying everything about your natural life he has provided all you need the wisdom for your job the finance from your job the blessing in your marriage everything good kids everything you need all things that pertain to your everyday natural life and godliness your spiritual life your anointing your gifting your ministry everything has already been mapped out he has a plan and in psalm 139 said all my days fashion in my book were fashioned before i so i should have looked it up they were all planned out before any of the days appeared any of the days were done there's a plan for you so everything that pertains to life and godliness through now take this one the knowledge of him you have to know it you have to go in here and find your promise and take it it's knowledge you need to know you need to read about it and get revelation of it who has called us by glory and virtue so everything that you are currently playing for everything believing for longing for is already waiting for you so waiting for collection have you heard that a lot of takeaways waiting for collection take away take away okay I'm going to read you another scripture that's so, we know it so well, but it has something in it that's very exciting. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. It means plans. He has plans, a destiny. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. That word peace is shalom. That doesn't just mean peace of mind. That is saying that my plan for every, God's saying, my plan for every person on this planet is shalom. What does that mean? I'll read out all the things that shalom can mean in the Hebrew. Health, favor, safety, welfare, 
prosperity, completeness, soundness, nothing missing, nothing broken. What is that? Pretty comprehensive. This is God's plan, shalom. And if you read Isaiah 53, it says the chastisement for our peace, our shalom, was upon him. He took the punishment that we would have all of these things. It's a very comprehensive word. There is nothing that you are missing at this moment that you cannot have from the Father. If you love him, if you trust him, and you believe it, and you go and appropriate it. I mean, it, it's so, we miss, we miss on so many things, you know, that, but I felt that is a wonderful, wonderful word. So everything that's shalom, if you look it up, shalom is for us. You know, the reason is because when we get born again, we become his kids. Don't you want to give your children everything they need, everything that's necessary for them? You know, we are children of God with family rights. God, Jesus Christ lives on the inside of us. We are his family. You know, there was one minister in one of his books said Jesus spoke to him one day. And he said, "Everybody, for everybody who's born again and belongs to me, I am responsible before the Father for their welfare. That is God. That's why you need to get saved. Jesus becomes responsible for you. You know, in 1 Corinthians 6, it says, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Jesus' blood purchased you so you could be a part of God's family and be one of his children. The royal family, actually. So, you know, it's so wonderful what God has done. And I really think in this hour, we need to get a revelation because there's so much darkness around us. And you say, well, I've been praying for years for this, you know, long, long time. How are you praying? You know, praying, there's a, a way. God has his way. There was one minister shared this, and I thought it was so good. He said, a man in his congregation came to him. And he said, you know, I'm really having a problem. He said, I have bought a new house about two years ago. And I thought I would sell my house very easily, and I haven't. And he said, I have two mortgages. And he said, it's becoming a real struggle. And he said, I have prayed and prayed for the house to sell. And the minister said, well, how are you praying? So he told him. And he told him how he was praying. He says, well, you know what you're doing? You're praying every day the same thing. So when you pray on Wednesday and nothing happens, you go to God on Thursday and say, God, I need to sell my house. God, you're not listening. My house is not sold. God, I and he's going on like this. He said, every day you are negating the prayer of the day before. You need to say, God, I need my house to sell and I receive it now because you said I can have whatever I say. I believe I receive it and stand and thank him. Thank, call it, call it sold. Call it that the house sold at a good price. Two days later, the man came back and said, I've had a buyer. He's come and bought it, and I think he said cash. And he said, two years ago, I saw your house, and my wife and I said, this is our house. We're going to buy it, but we couldn't sell our house. So the minute he got his praying right, not repeating and praying and whinging and, believe, and, not, and not in faith at all, the minute he took it and received it and believed it, the thing happened in two days. So how we pray is extremely important. Now, um, I'd like you to look at Luke 18.1. We're going to look at a story in the New Testament. And Luke 18.1, that's a really, I love this story. And actually, it's interesting. It's a parable. It's not a true. Some of Jesus' stories were true stories. This is a parable. 
and it's called The Unjust Judge. And it is actually showing us how to pray with bold faith. And it's interesting because it's a secular story. The judge is a total pagan and the little woman involved, there's no word that she's a believer either. But what God is wanting out of us to understand or what Jesus is trying to get over is persistent faith. Don't give up, keep going. Don't talk negatively, keep standing and then it doesn't take long, like the man's house. So we've got this unjust judge, and it's, it's telling you how to receive from God, okay? So I'm going to read it. Well, I'll turn up in my Bible. If you could turn it up, I'm reading from the, the um, New King James, but whatever version you have. It's a very interesting story, very encouraging. It said, he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Don't lose heart. You could be one minute away from your answer, okay? He's saying, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man, okay? A pagan, a nasty pagan, okay? There was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, though I do not fear God or regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her lest by her continual coming she weary me. Now, he wasn't a nice man. Unjust description there means he was immoral. He was not a man of integrity. He was not a man of God. He didn't care about people at all. But this woman got her, now obviously he's not God. He's not represent, it's not a symbol of God. It's a symbol of if you get tough, you'll get what you want. Now in the New Living, it's very interesting. He says, I'm going to see that this, she gets justice because this woman is driving me crazy. That's in the Bible. This woman, she was driving him nuts. Why? Because she wouldn't give up. Now God is not saying drive, and he's not implying the, the scenario we copy, but what he's saying is be persistent like this little woman and see what happens. Then the Lord says, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God, sorry, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. I love that word. I love immediately, suddenly, and speedily in the Bible, but speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? What happened? This woman bothered this man, so he gave her answer, not because he was good, not because he felt sorry for her. She was a widow. She was a little widow. She would have had no money. It wasn't as if he was going to get a big fee from her, but she was persistent. And then it says, and, and they amplified in verse 7, it says, will not our just God, this is your father, defend and protect his own elect, that's us, who cry to him day and night. Now, not begging, not pleading. She said, I know my rights. This woman had been wronged and her strength, she knew who she was. She knew her rights. We go before God knowing who we are. We are the righteous in Christ. We are his children and we have family rights. We don't go aggressively and rudely to God, but we go, go with a confidence that we know he wants to answer us because he's our daddy. He's our father. 
So this woman had that right-standing attitude. She was going to get her rights, and this man was the only way she could get it. She was a widow, and that's the only way she could get means. So it said, will not our just God um, avenge her? Um, declare, will he delay help on their behalf? I tell you, he will defend, protect, and defend them speedily. So it's quick. Like that man in the house, I believe if we get our praying right, it won't take long. There is something we, we need to change. We're not doing it right. We need to go. We need to believe. We need to receive. And thank you that it's done and it'll be speedily. God has nothing else to do. And then look at verse 8. This tells you how important faith is. I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, I've just read it. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? God is looking for faith. Jesus is looking for our faith so he can work. It's our connector with him. He can't do anything outside of faith. Do you remember reading the Gospels and how many times Jesus said, do you believe me? He said to Bartimaeus, what do you want? I mean, it was obvious what he wanted. He wanted him to voice his faith. The centurion, he was so, I mean, this was a, a Gentile. And he said, the man had faith. He said, wow, I haven't faith, seen faith like this in Israel. A lot of people, he said, according to your faith, it was your faith that did this. He said to his disciples, interestingly, little faith. Where's, what was he doing? He was faith checking. You know, Facebook has fact checker. Jesus is a faith checker. He was looking for faith because it's the only way he could communicate. It was the only way he could do it. It was the only way he could answer them by, by faith. So it shows us how very, very important that we must give him our faith. He needs our faith and he needs us to be speaking the promise. So his has words to work with. I remember years ago standing in my kitchen. I mean, someday I was praying for a family member and I'd let it lapse and I just heard, I just saw a quick flash of their face and I have no words to work with. God needs words to work with. We are co-laborers with him. God has chosen to work with man and the only way we can do it is by faith and doing what he says. It's simple. It's just that we need to, you know, we need to do it. So, you know, it's, it, this speedily, I think it's really so exciting. And the other thing, you know, it says in Hebrews 11, verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, that's not wishy-washy, I hope so. I hope it doesn't rain because my washing's out. It's not that kind of hope. It's confident expectation. Think right now, what are you praying? Are you expecting it? Are you expecting any day? Are you expecting to see that person saved? Are you expecting to see that body healed? Are you expecting it? God often says that to me. Where's your expectation? And call those things that are not as though they were. Speak as if it's done. But just something I was just studying with one of the Bible school classes that I thought was really interesting. Abraham, you know, Abraham is called the father of faith. And he was 25 years waiting for Isaac. And we tend to think, you know, oh my goodness, what a he, you know, I, I hadn't really seen this, I saw it not that long ago. God came to him when he was 75 and he came at other times to just boost his faith. You're going to have a son and you will, through him, you will have many nations and you will be the father of the Jewish race out of which I will bring the Messiah, basically was the plan. But by year 24, 
Abraham and Sarah were still not in faith because God came to Jesus, it was one of these appearances of Jesus, came to Abraham and told him, you are going to have a son. And it said, Abraham laughed, he mocked. He laughed to himself. And he said, how can I have it at my age? How can my wife have a child at this age? Sarah overheard the promise and did exactly the same thing. When, the, he, when Abraham was 99, the year before Isaac was born, both of them laughed. They did not believe it. What did God do? He put a change of their name. Abraham became Abraham, which became father of many nations. So from that point on, when Abraham and Sarah were conversing, she called him father of many nations. Everybody that spoke to him, father of many nations. And by default, she was mother of many nations. Within three months, she became pregnant. If you read your Bible, a year later, that child was born. So within that three months of Abraham with the edge, calling those things that are not as though they were, they had their miracle. So he was the father of faith, not because of 24 years of believing. He was a bit up and down. But when he got to 99, they got the hang of it because God stepped in and made them call. So we need to take that message on board. Believe, receive, and start calling it as if it is. That's in Romans 4, 17. Call those things. Thank you that my back is healed. Thank you that my marriage is healed. Thank you that I have that job. Thank you, Father. I rejoice. I praise you. Thank you for that great job. Just speak. It sounds mad, but that's the way God works. It's believing. It's Mark 11. Whatsoever things you desire, believe you have received them and you'll have them. What is that word receive? Take. It is the word to take. Now, just to finish, I want you to look at Matthew 11. We're just finished. Mark 11:12, which is really a wonderful little scripture that describes what that lady did and what we must do. It's an interesting scripture and a bit misunderstood from time to time, but we'll just have a look. And I, I, think, it really, I think it's a real faith builder. So Mark 11:22, it says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, I was looking at lots of commentaries, and they said that suffers violence does translate the word. It's biazzo. But he said it's not a, it gives the impression that heaven is suffering, that it's having a problem, and it's all boarded up and we can't get in and we have to force our way in. It doesn't mean that at all. The Passion Translation says, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth. That sounds good. And passionate people have taken hold of its power. Another, that's not a translation, but it's a, a translation of a, someone who's a, a scholar. Men are forcefully pressing in to get a share in the kingdom with utmost earnestness. What's this saying? We need to go for our stuff with zeal, knowing that it's ours. Well, what, but obviously there is a resistance. But the resistance isn't coming from heaven. The door is open. It's all done. The warehouse is there. All we need to do is take it. You know, get our card, the number, phone up and say, can I have number such and such? And it's sent to us. It's just exactly like going online and from God's warehouse. And it's on its way. We may not get it immediately. But this, this word... 
the violent take it, but what are we violating? We are violating the opposition of the devil. There is no opposition from heaven. The devil doesn't want us to get stuff. We may be in unbelief. We may be in a little bit of fear or like we've got a bit weary. You know, there's a whole lot of stuff that we have to violate. We have to get rid of. You know, we have, like look, well, that woman, she had to violate a, a feeling about this man, this very impressive judge, probably with a robe on, very intellectual and quite unpleasant. She had to just violate that and take her thing and push that out of the way. You know, we need to violate a whole lot of stuff. We know doubt and unbelief. You know, we have to really take things and push the, it's the enemy that stops us getting our stuff. That's why we have to get violent. We violate his attacks. We violate his unbelief. We violate his, his um, make you feeling you're not worthy of it. You know, we need to work, we, we're bold. You know, that word here, the violent, take it by force. Is the word harpazo, means to seize, like a harpoon. You know, the Eskimos go, so we have to grab it. We take a hold of it aggressively. And just to finish, there's one beautiful example of a little, another little woman who violated a lot of stuff to get what she wanted. And it's the woman with the issue of blood. She wasn't an aggressive lady. She was obviously a believer because she was looking for Jesus to heal her. This little lady who had been sick for 12 years, she never gave up. She tried. She spent everything on doctors. She was going for her healing, and she suddenly held, heard there was a rabbi, this healing minister, this healing rabbi, and she said, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there, and I'll go down to the town, and I'll touch his garment, and I'll get it. She had her plan. And that was difficult. She hadn't been out of her house for 12 years. She was, a, she was really ritually unclean. She would have been in trouble. The neighbors would have seen her. She was probably in pain. She was probably very weak. And she went down and she said, I'll touch his hem. If I touch his hem, I'll get it. That meant she had to crawl. So when she got to near Jesus, there was a crowd all grabbing him and pulling at him. And she got down. She could have been kicked in the head. And lo and behold, when she got there, who was standing beside Jesus was Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, who had the authority to stone her to death because she was disobeying the Judaic law. She had a lot to violate. She was a very tough little woman. She was, Jesus was the representative of the kingdom, and she took it by force. It said she touched the hem of his, garden, his garment. She actually helped herself to his healing. She took it. She really, really was a heroine and, a, and such a wonderful example of somebody who's got a lot of opposition. You may have opposition in your home. You maybe have pain. You maybe have a horrible diagnosis from the doctor. Abraham was taught by God, don't consider it. Consider not. Don't pay any attention to, I'm not saying don't pay attention to what doctors say, but if they say you're going to die, if they say it's terminal, if they say something like that, no, you don't consider that. God is not, God, the word terminal doesn't exist in the kingdom of God. So this little woman was amazing. She took what was and she was entitled to. So, to finish, God wants us to appropriate what he's already done. Be persistent. Don't give up. If you've given up, get up again and go. I mean, that little woman must have given up. Get up and start going again. Just believe. Believe you receive and take it. It says, believe you have received. That means you've got it. 
when you've believed it. The minute you believe, that's when it's yours. Like the thing, when you send phone up and pray with your credit card for something you've seen online, that's yours from that moment. May not be in your hand yet, but you know, faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. So we need to be persistent because God needs, if you've got, if you're called for such a time as this, God needs you. He needs you, but he wants your life to be blessed. As I said, this is the church's finest hour, so be part of it. So we just thank you, Jesus. We just thank you, Lord. We just pray for everybody, maybe who's given up. Father God, let them know that you are the God of the second chance, the third chance, the fourth chance. You don't, you don't reproach us, God. You're so delighted to see people get themselves up again. So Father, we all disagree with one another. We are going to take those things that we've maybe believed for for years. We are going to call those things that are not. We will not speak one negative word because we can negate it with our fear and our lack of faith and even our offenses. If we're in unforgiveness, Lord, we repent. Father God, any sin that might be in the way, Father, we repent of it in Jesus' name and thank you for that blood. And Father, if there are anybody listening today who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they need to, Father. It is urgent, it is necessary that he would be part of their life. So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just this is the day to do it so i'm just going to say a prayer you say it after me but you speak it out loud and you do it from the heart so we just say jesus dear lord jesus we thank you that you died on the cross for me bearing all the judgment that was due to me and you rose again from the dead that i might have new life and I ask you now to come into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus. I am now born again. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you said that prayer, we have, as Alina said, um, Zoom rooms. Or if you need prayer for anything, the details are behind. Don't hesitate to that. Someone will pray with you. And just remember, the violent take it by force get aggressive the devil's aggressive let's get more aggressive and knock him out of the way in jesus name amen hallelujah <laughs>